from the fabulous and famous Fitzpatrick's Castle Hotel in Dublin, Ireland. You're listening to the award-winning What's the Story podcast. Now, here's your hosts, Danny Murray and Graham Merrow Merrigan. Oh, hello, everybody. Welcome to Chapter 59. Oh, this is different. This isn't our usual weekly. No. Graham. We're midweek. What's going on? Who knows? It can only mean one thing, really, man, can't it? It can only mean the king is in town. Well, at least he's fighting in a town. Who's the king? Connor. Oh, hell, the king. Um, we always seem to do this, don't we, when the king's yeah. fighting? Anytime the king is fighting, we like to do a kind of special, a little bonus. We've done the bonus edition where you and I came from Vegas. We've done a bonus edition with the great child Sonnen. Yeah. Uh, we've done a bonus edition with just you in Vegas and me at home. It's just how the stars align, isn't it? And now we've got this. This bonus edition of the award-winning What's the Story podcast. Um, I get to break out my Skype voice. <laughs> and say yeah absolutely too much yeah definitely and you get to every so often just look at me and mouth the words holy shit <laughs> as we talk to a great guest it's mad as well because when we're interviewing guests on skype we have two on-air mics yeah but we we have a communal skype mic yeah we share Skype. so mic. we yeah. the guest can't always hear us they only hear us when we're talking into the skype mic so it's a bit like here give us a Danny, will you yeah. Give us a cream, will you? A lot of hand signals. A lot of hand signals. A lot, a lot of touchy feely. A lot of touchy feely. We got rice prepared. cakes in before the show as well tonight, and we've just ended the life of them, which were great. Yeah, they were delicious. They, they were, were um, uh, Kelken, Kelken yogurt, yogurt, rice cakes, <laughs> jinx. Can't jinx. talk to you great with Haskins. I was at the cinema on Saturday in Indy. I can't say that, can I? No. <laughs> What'd you say, Jinx? What'd you say, Jinx? What? Jinx, you can't talk, you go out with Haskins. <laughs> I've heard that in years. Um, Lindsay said you can eat them. Lindsay said you can eat rice cakes. Yeah, yeah. So I was at the cinema in the name of the father outdoors with her, Austin and Cheyenne on Saturday and uh, she had rice cakes. Beautiful. Little did she know I ended the life of a Coke Zero and oh. put it in the bin and she came over and I was rushing to get rid of it. If Lindsay Doyle PT... Says you can eat rice cakes, folks. You can take that to the bank. Horn and Austin must be... They must have the, the baby's room ready and everything now, must they? Yeah. Ready to go and all that. Great people. Better have it, my birthday. Bleed and wrap it. Lads, I'm excited for this one. This Actually, is incredible. can I just oh, say... Oh, um, oh, oh, If people are around on September 3rd, the National Rehabilitation Spinal Injury Games are on. Yeah. If you're around the borough, it's on on the Saturday, September 3rd, all day. Uh where? Well, 9 to 5 at the Rehabilitation Hospital, on the grounds of the Rehabilitation Hospital. In the Noggin? In just uh, just just near Baker's there. Rochetown yeah. Avenue. Yeah, Rochetown Avenue. So uh, there's expos on and then there's games on and uh, just go over if you've got a free time, bit of free time. September toward National Rehabilitation Centre. All day. Unbelievable. Get to it. You'll enjoy it. It'll be a good day. Guarantee Barbecue it. after it as well. Delicious. You can take that to the bank. Right. <laughs> Lads. Who are we sponsored by? We are sponsored by the wonderful people, the incredible people, the, the most genteel and kind staff ever within the walls of the fabulous and famous Fitzpatrick Castle Hotel here in the beautiful surrounds of Cloyney, South County, Dublin. Check out FitzpatrickCastle.com. You're mad, Hyper. It's because of our guest, man. Know, I'm excited. Yeah. This is unbelievable. Like, Looking forward to it, all right? Like it's weird. I'm acting as if people don't know who it is, but of course they do because it says it in the title of the chapter. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, well, yeah, look, lads, check out FitzpatrickCastle.com because if it wasn't for them uh, putting us in a lovely, beautiful room with uh, windows and a fantastic view of the Dublin Bay and Dunleary Pier and whatnot, we uh, we wouldn't be able to bring you such great guests such as this week's bonus guest. This man is a UFC Hall of Famer, a former UFC champion, a pancreas champion, an all-round mixed martial arts hero, legend, dare I say deity? Dare I say God? He's an actor as well. He is an actor. He's a culinary chef. Culinary chef, and he has got some of the greatest stories on the planet. He's an absolute gent. He is seriously one of the nicest guys we've ever talked to on this podcast. Um, We're allowed to talk to him, though. What? We're about to talk to him. We haven't talked to him yet. Sorry, yeah, he's one of the <laughs> nicest guys we're about to talk. 
Yep, post-production. <laughs> um, Boss Rutten, um, the man from Holland, El Guapo, the handsome one. Uh, MMA fans will be familiar with him. He commentated on Pride for years. He hosts uh, an amazing show called Inside MMA with the great Mauro Ranello. He has featured on the Joe Rogan podcast. He's featured on The Fighter and The Kid. He's also, he's, he's, he's done the voice for Grand Theft Auto. Five. He has, yeah. He's um, been in The King of Queens. He's been in Paul Blart. He's been in The Zookeeper. He's yeah. been in uh, Here Comes the Boom. If you haven't seen Here Comes the Boom, by the way, watch it this weekend. It's a great an easy movie. watch. It's, it's an easy watch and it's quite funny. There are a couple of laugh out loud moments at it. And any film, and I mean this, any film that brings a Neil Diamond song to the forefront I'm I'm a hundred percent behind. They're all Kevin James films, and Kevin James <coughs> I absolutely love. Love, Kevin love James. King of Queens. Love it, absolutely love it. But um, yeah, look, lads, we won't we won't hang around. I mean, there's no housekeeping. This is a bonus edition. No messing, no talking. We're just straight into the great and legendary and most sound man ever, the brilliant Bass Rutten. We've been joined by the one and only. El Guapo, the handsome one himself, Bas Rutten. Baz, it's a pleasure having you on What's the Story podcast, man. Thanks, man, for doing this. No, yes, for having me. <laughs> so, you were saying that you're just, you're just back from vacation, so nice and relaxed, nice and chilled, is it? I'm, I'm, yeah, nice and relaxed. I, I look like an oak tree. I'm, I'm very dark right now. <laughs> and uh, because it was Hawaii, uh, I went to Maui. But there's a three-hour time difference there. So it's like going back in time. So once you're used to that time difference and you come back here, you are you lay a little longer in your bed. <laughs> That's we, we don't need excuses for laying in bed. We just <laughs> try to do that as often as we can, man. Yeah. Um, First and foremost, I've got to say, you're the first European inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame. Congratulations on that. Um, what, what was it like when you got told that you were going to be um, inducted in there? You know, it, it was amazing. I, I thought maybe it would happen to me in the future, far away from now, and then maybe for, be, uh, because everything combined, you know, the commentating for what I do for the sport and then my fighting, you know, because I fought only two fights in the UFC and I go like, oh, I don't know if that's going to be enough. But then Dana told me, he says, no, no, you got in for all the fights. I mean, because I was fighting in Japan, I was fighting UFC champions who came to Japan and I will beat them there. And then they went back to America. That was actually, that's how the interest came to go to the UFC as well. So, you know, to find out when he said that, that that was really cool to hear. Yeah, and as you said, only two fights in there. But one of them was against the uh, the late Kevin Randleman for the title. Obviously, Kevin, Kevin passed away earlier this year. What are some of your memories of Kevin? Oh, man, I have such a great memories. It's always funny memories. We we, we had so much fun together. We uh, I mean, the, the, the day we met, I told the people... Well, the day we met, the, I believe it was the day before, the two days before, we shared an elevator. Only the two of us. It was really weird. You know, it's like, it's, and I don't, I still don't know how, what happened. I think that he was on board of the elevator and then it opened up and then I got in and then we both got down and it got really quiet and suddenly he, he tells me, he said, hey, well, good luck tomorrow with your fight. <laughs> and I look at him, I go, yeah, I appreciate that. You too. And, um, and we're staring to the front, but you can see your reflection in the in the door. And uh, suddenly he said, you know what? If you promise to keep your feet on the ground, you know, I'm not going to take you down. And I say, Are you, you're kidding me. And he goes, no. I go, oh, okay, well, we'll see. You know? And then in the fight, suddenly he, um, the first thing he does, you can tell, you can see when he gets into the octagon, he's, and the, the uh, big John McCarthy says, fight. He slaps his thigh, like from, come on, kick me here, kick me here. So now I'm, I'm confused, you know. I go like, does he want me to kick him? Or he doesn't want me to kick him. Let's kick him. And But then I thought, you know, he's going to think it's going to be a low kick because he's slapping his thigh. So I'm going to act like it's a low kick. I did this a few times. I did this with Maurice Smith and some other fights. This is a really cool move. Like you act like you're going for a roundhouse kick, but you switch it into a front kick. And if he thinks it's a roundhouse kick, whether it's a low kick, middle kick, or a high kick, he will come forward to take me down because he's a wrestler. So if I make it into a front kick, I'm going to kick him right in the face when he comes in. So that was my thought pattern really fast. And I did that, but at the moment I did it, he moved backwards. He didn't try to take me down. So that was with me. My, that threw my whole game plan off. I was like, oh, wait a minute. He doesn't take me down with, when I kick him. So I started kicking him. Which was stupid because he took me down right away. <laughs> <laughs> so the elevator talk went straight out the window. Then, 
Everything went out the window right from there. You know, I went, I went out two days before the, the fight. I, 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 got a I, I was training for this fight in Colorado on high altitude. And, um, and I thought it was going to help me. And, and of course it will do, but nobody told me that if you train high altitude, you got to rehydrate constantly, constantly. You need a lot of fluids in your body because otherwise, you know, it might backfire for you. But I, I didn't know that at the moment. So when I arrived in, uh, at, at the place where we had to fight, we, um, Alan Goas, the fighter, Alan Goas, he was checking in the hotel as well. And when he saw me, he attacked me, you know, for fun. He's a, he's a friend of mine. So we started grappling, standing, so to say, and m my whole body blew up, like filled up with lactic acid. Like I couldn't move my arms anymore. And I'm freaking out now. This is two days before the fight. I go, what is this? Why, why do I have this? You know, this is the weirdest wow. thing. I say, okay, let's stop. Let's, let's, we got to figure out what this is. And then when the weigh-in came, I was like 197. I was under 200 pounds. I literally had to drink uh, three bottles of water in order to make weight to go over the 200 pounds. Wow. I st this still didn't ring a bell. But, you know, I started training uh, a little bit, warming up, and it didn't happen anymore. But, you know, it's in the back of your head. So the first, like, nine minutes, I was kind of waiting everything out if I, if I would get that crazy feeling back. And once I realized, okay, no, nah, I think it's okay that's when I finally started, you know, elbowing him and doing all the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, Buzz, we we talked there about the you had two UFC bouts, but you had you had many uh, fights in Pancras. Um, you came across Ken and Fra um, Ken and Frank uh, Shamrock. What were your experience with those guys like? You know, they've always been great guys. We we had such a close group. Of fighters at the uh, at Pancras, it was it was one of the best times of my life. I'm telling you, we we would you know if you would fight somebody before, uh, you know you would not hang out with him before, you know he might sit at the table somewhere, you know if you're with a whole group of guys fighting, uh, eating, uh, but that was it. And then after the fight, everybody would party again. So it, it was it was it was a big group of guys. We knew we had to well fight each other, and if that would happen, we would steer away from each other for like two days before the fight, and that was it. And then everything was back to normal. So it was uh, it was a really great time. And both the Shamrocks, they were very nice guys. Uh, you, you recently had Frank Shamrock on um, Inside MMA, the, the show that you co-host with uh, Mauro Ranello. And you were, uh, Frank was discussing kind of a fighters' union. What's your thought process on that, Bass? Can you see that coming through finally, or you know, do you think from your fighting days did you ever see a situation where the fighters' union would emerge? You know, yeah, we've been talking about that a lot, and and you know, for the time when I was fighting, I didn't need it. I I, I thought at the time I got paid well. For instance, we were talking about yeah. I got fifty thousand dollars for a fight in in Japan, and and that was at the time fifty thousand. I believe that was. That was the eight-man tournament price, you know. So for us, I was like, okay, you know, but I, I, I was good at that moment. But now, once you start seeing what the organization itself makes, the, the promoters, what they make, you know, and then what goes out back to the fighters, you sometimes you go like, yeah, yeah, the top fighters, they make a lot of money, but the people in between or, or even below that, they don't make they don't make anything, you know. They don't make enough money to live from. I, I would say that if that would be a regular job, a different job, you would actually quit that job. I 100% uh, um, believe that you would quit the job and look for another job. But because the job is fighting, and it's just a cool thing, you know. In the beginning, you start, it's cool to say you're a professional fighter. You know, you, when you're young, you, you like that. Like now when they ask, what do you do? I say, oh, I'm a TV commentator or something. Oh, what did you do before? I, I, I was, I was an, an athlete. You know, you try to steer away from it. Yeah. But then when you're young, you know, you go like, oh, that's cool, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm a fighter. I'm a pro professional fighter. So... I believe that's the reason that a lot of these guys hang in there. You know, they just want to be in there, and they just, of course, they want to, they want to see if they can become become a champion. But uh, many of them, yeah, they simply, they simply can't. You know, they, not not everybody is built the same, and it's unfortunately, but that's that's how the whole world works with every other profession. So, yeah, I I, I think a union will happen. But it's very close to now. I don't know. I think William Morris Endeavor, you know, and IMG with the company that took over the UFC, yeah. that bought the UFC, they might start doing that platform. For what I understand is that, and these are numbers I hear from people, you know, I didn't go really super deep in there. But like, for instance, the, the NFL here, they pay 40 or 50 percent, sometimes even over 50 percent of, of revenue 
goes to all the athletes and the rest goes to the promoter. And for what I understand, and again, I say it because I don't know if this is true, but the UFC is like 14% or 15%. Then again, the UFC does a lot of discretionary bonuses. After a fight, they give a guy, he, him 100,000, him 200,000. So there's money to be spent there. Still, for a fighter, it's always better to have a safe feeling and to uh, make sure that if you speak up, you're not going to get fired. You know, and I mean that from every organization. Yeah. That's why there will be a union. So hopefully, William Morris, with all the star power they have behind them and all the all the celebrities that they're going to use now, you know, to endorse this product that they have that they just uh, purchased. Yeah, they they might start doing that. You know, to 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 gain some goodwill, so to say. Do you think um, Baza will need uh, some of the spearheaded, like uh, say Ronda Rousey or Conor McGregor or someone like that? To kind of that's it. That's a hundred percent, you know, and not just one, you know. Preferably, I, I think if a guy would say that, then uh, like a Conor McGregor, then John Jones should jump on board. And Disham, that that's the thing you're going to need solidarity. You know, you need a bunch of guys who are relative at this moment uh, who are going to say, you know what, now nah, I'm not, I'm not going to fight for that money. You know, but it's hard because the the people that you just mentioned they make a lot of money. You know, and they know that if they sp would speak up, then the money might be stopped. You know, so I think gradually it will go up. It's the same as the Reebok deal. I also believe that it's just a mistake, growing pains. I truly believe they will start doing something about it. I think they will increase the pay, and hopefully it's going to happen soon. Yeah, well, you mentioned John Jones there, boss. Um, what's what's your take on John and kind of he's unbelievably talented, but. Uh, Seems to get him like he he likes to party. Do you know what I mean? And uh, I don't know if you've seen he um, he recently put out a post online saying they got good news and he's going to be back in the octagon a lot sooner than people think. What what do you think is the whole thing behind that? You know that's he had uh, yeah it's it's a hard listen. First of all, I, I wish him all the best. I mean, this is the guy is one of the most talented athletes on the freaking planet. I mean, this guy is really yeah. good. Comes from a family who was extremely good as well. You know, or in the NFL, they also brothers are playing professional football. I mean, you don't see that a lot. That three super athletes from one family. So I really hope that he will be going on the straight and narrow because, you know, he's got a lot of pull. He's got a lot of influence. He's got a lot of kids watching him. And and I think you know you you should be an example. Now at this age, you don't really think about that. Listen, if they had social media around when I was competing and partying, I would have been in big trouble. <laughs> Let's be honest here, you know. And so would be Don Fry and all the guys I know my age. Because we're just a bunch of crazy guys. You train for 10 weeks or 12 weeks, super hard, and then you unload. And that's what you do. And if you get caught in that unloading period, which could be only one or two days, and because then you start back going back to normal, well, then you're screwed. Then you give the people the world a vision of a person that you not really are it's just that one day in the two months or whatever it is and then you know you and then you want to go again so yeah. you know and, th and that happened with, with john as well and now he made a lot of mistakes so he, yeah. he, he, kept, he kept making the mistakes but you know like any other person he will uh, he will learn from that and then hopefully can come back and uh, come back stronger and better the good thing that, and i thought about this yesterday also sorry i'm talking a lot but that, like, that's what you're here for, Buzz. <laughs> yeah. when, you, when you're a fighter and you're an undefeated fighter and you close your fighter, uh, you, your, your career with, with an unblemished record, is that as cool as when you got stopped a few times? And I think it's cooler when you get stopped a few times. And the only reason I'm saying this is because that makes you human. You know, for instance, when you look back at the Ronda Rousey or a Mike Tyson before they lost, you know, you, there's almost this thing that you start be to believe that, are they really you? I mean, this is crazy. I mean, they're just slaughtering everybody, go through everybody. And then suddenly when they get put back on earth, you know, by a knockout or a submission or just a loss, then you go, oh, wait a minute, they're human. Now it becomes more interesting because now that person is one of you. And I, because you're human. And see, oh, they can also lose. Good. Okay, so that, you know, it's good for everything. You can make mistakes. You can do these things. And then, that's what I think with John Jones also. He's just young with a lot of money, a lot of yes people around him who only do whatever he wants to do because they're afraid that when they say no, that they're going to be pushed out of the friend circle, you know, and, and, and mm. it's a hard thing. You know, look at Mike Tyson, 20 years young and, uh, old and, and, and you make all that money. You know, and that's where John now also, everybody knows him. It's got to be very hard to walk just through life, 
yeah. being him. So that that's what I'm thinking. I'm, I'm just hoping it will all come back, and um, hopefully he's going to check everything he's uh, putting into his body right now. Do you think, um, just on what you were saying there about uh, kind of, you know, seeing a guy kind of take a loss and then come back from that, it, it almost adds to their reputation, it adds to their persona. Do you think that could play a big part this weekend when Conor McGregor takes on Nate Diaz. Oh yeah, that's that's this is going to be a big one. Yeah, Conor needs to win this fight. There's a lot of pressure on Conor this time. Yeah. Last time he needed to win because the, Nate took the fight only on two days notice, or two weeks notice, or ten days, whatever it was. You know, and th- th- those fights are hard to pick, hard to do. Like for instance, my last fight. You know, and I know it was first was against Kimo Leopoldo. He tested positive for steroids. And then I got this last minute replacement, this 265 Indian guy who wasn't the most technical guy. And it, it would have been like nine to one that I was going to beat this guy. Yeah. But because you, everybody expects you to win and beat this guy, you know, the pressure is on more than when you fight somebody really good because then everybody goes, oh, this is going to be a very close fight. So now for Connor. For instance, what I said also uh, on Inside MMA is like if he gets tired, if if imagine he gets in the second round, he starts to fatigue a little bit, or even when it's in the third round, in his mind there's always two voices when you're fighting. At least that's what I had, and and one voice says, "Come on, push through, push through," and the other voice says, "You know what? We we should stop right now. This is not healthy anymore." You know, and so and that bad voice is going to talk to him if that happens, because then the bad voice is going to tell the good voice, "Wait a minute." Last time, uh, Diaz didn't get tired, and he did it only on 10 days' notice. This time, he had a full training camp. We are already getting tired. Oh, no, no, this is going to go wrong. And once you start thinking like that, then the mind is, an, is, an, uh, is a crazy thing, man. It controls everything in the body. So then the downhill goes faster and faster. You're going to get more tired. Everything goes down the drain. Now, if you can steer away from those voices and let the powerful voice step up and just crush it, you know, then... Then, then he could do really well. I truly believe that not fighting at 200 was a really good thing for him because he had more time to prepare himself for Nate to have a fight plan, which he didn't have the first time. Nate didn't have it either, but Nate has more experience and he's just a very durable guy. And, you know, his striking is good. He's, he knows how to stay just outside the reach. Connor's striking is better. It's got more power. It is more precise. But, you know... Durability and stamina can do a lot like we saw in the first fight. And then, of course, I'm not saying only durability and stamina, but also technique, of course, because that's what Nate has as well. So I I think that Connor could win this fight. I think he should really go to the body. I hope he doesn't get angry anymore at the weigh-in, because when that happened, I realized... That was the same scenario right away as Ronda Rousey had with Holly Holm. You know, Ronda Rousey is used to everybody being afraid of her. And I truly believe that as soon as she walked into the face from Holly Holm, Holly was just standing there. There was no movement whatsoever. She looked at her, whatever. That's what she was thinking. And I think Ronda realized that, wait a minute, she's absolutely not intimidated. So what you do then, then you start overacting and you get angry. And that's what happened with Connor as well. You know, suddenly he hit his hand from Diaz and I go, oh, this is not good because normally Connor gets inside your head. and But when you get inside his head, now he gets angry. Okay, now he wants to finish the fight. Now he starts loading up punches. Now he starts wasting energy. You see, everything goes down the drain. The one thing that you need to keep control uh, control of in the octagon or in, every, in any fight, in every profession, is staying cool. And once you can stay cool, well, then you fight to your best abilities. You fight just like you do in the dojo. You know, in the dojo, there's a lot of good fighters. But that, that, that doesn't mean that they can fight good under pressure. That's the big test. Can you do everything the same in the class, uh, uh, but do the same thing under pressure? Once you can do that, then you're going to have a great career. And Baz, how do you, what's your opinion on how Conor has conducted himself since his defeat in ideas in March? Listen, Connor can stand on his head and fart. He can do everything he wants. But I mean, I love that. <laughs> I'm a huge Conor McGregor fan. The way he presents himself, you know, the cockiness. I, I love it because I hear also the, the, the total opposite stories of how he is with his family and friends, you know, and, and I really respect that. So you know it's a game, what he's doing. He's just a good dude. And yes, he's partying here and he's partying there. But come on, man, we all do. All the fighters do. It's very unfair. A few fighters who do not party. 
<laughs> Definitely. Um, it's, it's a stacked card. It's, it's a good fight card. There's, there's some really, really interesting fights on that. Do you think... The, I know UFC 200 has kind of had a bit of the shine taken off it. Um, you know, the, the main event being pulled, the pay-per-view sales not being what they hoped they were going to be. Brock Lesnar being testing positive uh, after the event. Do you think kind of UFC 202 could potentially steal the thunder away, building up to New York then, obviously probably being the biggest card of the year? Oh, that's going to be a hard one. But, but you know, I'm, I'm this, yes, this is a good. I, I had some fighters who say, oh, I don't even know if I want to watch, watch the card because uh, it's, a, it's a Diaz and McGregor. That's it. I said, are you? Are, you're not, I mean, Johnson versus Teixeira? Come on, dude. <laughs> yeah. Someone's going to jump. It's going to get knocked out. Cerrone story, that's going to be a crazy fight. Story is much better than, you know, you assume. He's a really tough, durable fighter. A lot of people sleep on him, yeah. Yeah, and and Cody Garbrandt, I want to see him again against Mizugaki. That will be a great fight. But I just want to see him again because he's such a great striker and I love his footwork. I I really hope uh, we get to see Cody Garbrandt versus Dominic Cruz at some stage. That fight will be unbelievable, man. That will be it. I truly believe that uh, that fight will happen if he passes M- M- Mizugaki, of course, which he probably will. He's got great takedown defense, and his striking is right now. It's, uh, I think at that weight class, is is the most powerful. Well, actually, what do you think of uh, Dan Henderson, Michael Bisping? That's being confirmed for Manchester now in October. Uh, Dan Henderson retiring regardless of the result, whether he takes the belt or not. I think everybody would have a soft spot for Dan Henderson. Would I be right in saying that? Yeah. You know, but you know, I I would. Uh, I think it's so logic. Yesterday, somebody was tweeting me and um, he said, "Oh, Bisping only takes uh, old, old opponents. He just picks his opponents." No, he's not. He fought against Luke Rockhold and he stepped up on like yeah. a week or ten to and to to see if he can <clears throat> justify of if he can beat the guy. Who beat him before, and that's the same thing with Dan Anderson. I say, I mean, come on, this is and this is a great story, like because if Bisping wins, it's the last fight from Dan Anderson. Then he, you know, he, he he beat the guy who beat him before, and then he can probably retire if he wants. And if if, if Dan Anderson wins, he can retire because he's the champion. So whoever wins, it, it's a good story. I I didn't see the people thinking, yeah, of course, Jacare deserves it. I understand that, but he can always fight for the title. Don't worry about that. You know that's right after this fight. This fight is one of those fights that can happen only once because it's the last fight from Dan Anderson. Yeah, absolutely. <coughs> uh, I'd agree with that completely. I, personally speaking, I hope Hendo wins. Um, I'd love to see him just bow out. Like that last fight he had was was the stuff of fairy tale anyway. So if he can do this, it would just be an incredible. The icing on the cake. Um, like actually, Henderson beating Fedora, I thought was. A fairy tale in itself, like so. For them to even go beyond that now would be unbelievable. But you would have seen Fedor fighting a lot over the years. Obviously, he's regarded as one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. What do you think after that last fight that he had? That was a bit of a piss take, shall we say? Yeah. Uh, yeah. What, what What do you think? Kind of. Uh, I, I personally don't ever want to see him fight again. But there are those that still do. What, what's your opinion on Fedor and and all that? Yeah, I, I, but I think he knows it himself. He should, um, you know, with Maldonado that fight, it was a tough fight. Like in any other country, I think they would have called the fight, you know, and yeah. Maldonado w- would have won, won it, you know. But then again, there's always these talkers who say, yeah, but you see, they let him hang in there, and eventually he won the fight. Yes, you're right with that. But by the rules, if you don't intelligently defend it yourself anymore, you can't almost, you know, they, they, they can't stop the fight. That didn't happen. So... For him, I don't think it was a confident booster. I think it was a thing for him to say, okay, yeah, well, everybody kept on training and uh, and he stayed at the same level. Maybe he grew as well, but, you know, the, the the world keeps on going. You know, when you stop and you decide to stop for like a couple of years and everybody keeps on fighting, yeah, well, you're going to have to catch up. And catching up in this sport is just a very hard thing to do. Your, your stories from over the years, I know we're kind of jumping around a bit, Baz, but it's just there. Uh... Well, we have a lot that we want to talk about, so we're trying to dip in and out of it. You've told some stories from over the years that are, that are absolutely legendary at this stage. Some of them on kind of the Joe Rogan experience, and some of them you've shared on Inside MMA and that kind of thing. What are some of your favourite memories from kind of outside the octagon over the years? I, I think I remember one story of a woman telling you her boyfriend's uh, hands were registered as lethal weapons. 
Oh yeah, that was so hilarious. <laughs> it was, uh, it was, it was a, f- a friend, a very close friend of her, and she. What happened was, I was sitting at the front of the airplane. There were only a, a bunch of guys there, and um, and she was one of the the stewards, and and she came to me and she gave me a drink. She said, "Would you like to drink?" And then she whispered, like it was that's almost a secret. She goes, uh, "I hear you're a professional fighter." I say, "Well, I used to do that, not anymore. You know, I'm I'm in TV business now." She says, "Oh yeah." my friend had to register his hands and then she walked away. So I couldn't reply. And I go, Oh, okay, here we go again. You know, one of these people who made up a story that he had to register his hands. So then she stands, you know, everybody's sitting. It's a long flight. It's like a five and a half hour flight. It's up to New York or but way back. I don't remember anymore. And then suddenly the, the curtain opens and she looks me dead in the eye and she waves to me like if I can come to her. So I go to her. And she has a business card from this guy. And the business card itself said registeredhands.com. I'm not kidding. <laughs> and so she gives me the card. He says, here is for you. And I go, I look, I say, yeah, again. I say, you know, this is not real, right? I mean, you understand. And she goes, what do you mean? I say, you cannot register your hands. He probably found a loophole because he wants to make people look interesting so people can say, look, you go to registeredhands.com, but it's not going to do anything <laughs> for you. It's not going to help you. It's not going to do anything. And uh, so I gave her the card back. And she says, no, you can keep it, the card. I said, no, I don't want the card. It's okay. You can keep the card. It's just one of these things that people over the years started to believe. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I was in a big street fight in Holland. Um, it was actually at the party where, an, uh, where a guy got a delirium from drinking. He started foaming around the mouth and he started knocking out people, uh, including uh, two women. But the second woman was my mother-in-law. So I jumped into action, of course. So, yeah, I grabbed him uh, by the back. I didn't even hit him because I knew he was drunk. And I start pushing him outside. I say, come on, let's find a tree, you know, and you can hit the tree as hard as you want. You know, you can get rid of your anger. So while we got out, his son-in-law also came at him and they both attacked me. So that resulted in me knocking them both out. But the one, the one went a little bit too hard. You know, I knocked him out, the guy with the foam. I thought he was out. And then I knocked the other guy out. And I remember looking because that was a week. That was a week before my Thai boxing match. And I look at my then wife and I say, wow, I'm in shape, I guess. <laughs> it happened like in three seconds. It was like, boom, and I turned around, boom, and both they were down. And I go, wow, okay, this is good. I guess uh, I'm good for next week. But then the other one stood up and he came running in, but I heard him. He made noise. So I turn around, I see him coming, and I want to kick him in the face. But because he came forward, instead of hitting him with my foot, I fully connected with my shin. And, man, that was Ooh, it was a, it was not a good thing, you know. Skull broke, head, uh, jaw. Wow. You know, so they they had to actually the police came the next day <clears throat> to pick me up because they thought I did it with a weapon that I had a baseball bat or something. And uh, and but my my brother's a lawyer, and I talked to my lawyer before already, and uh, to my brother how what what happened. But they actually they wanted me to go to jail for that, and uh, forget about that. He knocked out uh, two or three guys and then two women. You know, and, and I was just defending myself but because in court, and I was just a kickboxer at the time and I had a black belt in karate, but all that, of course, came up right away. You are considered to be a weapon. You cannot register yourself as a weapon, but if you're a mixed martial artist and you fight on the street and you hit, hit somebody and you hit them bad, well, that's going to be a big problem for you because it's your profession. So they consider you a weapon. So that's the only thing with that myth that is true. You are considered one, but you can never register yourself for it. Wow. And Baz, you must have got that a lot when you were not kind of fighting competitively, like socially when you're out in the in the bar or at a restaurant. You must have got a lot of hassle, did you? You know, yeah, with drunk, stupid people. But, I'm, I'm, you know, the <laughs> fortunate thing is that once you're a fighter, pretty much every bouncer knows who you are. So if I would be somewhere and a drunk idiot would come to me and wanted to pick a fight with me or my, or my wife or anybody with me around me, I would just wave up at the bouncers. And I said, can you come over here, please? I say, take this guy out, dude. He's an a-hole. And then they would they would send him out. So I, I almost never had to fight because I, I don't want to fight. Why would I fight a guy like that? Yeah, but it 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 does happen, you know. And um, it stopped, though, after the whole Sweden story the, with the bounces, the five bounces there. After that, it never happened again. It was really weird. Maybe people read it or I don't know what. But after that. I never had a problem anymore on the street. What was this? The the, the Sweden story, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but um, 
it, that was I remember hearing that for the first time and being sitting there going holy shit how do people like as it five of them and they, they more or less kind of led you down a corridor with the intent of trying trying to beat you up is, is, am I right in saying that? Yeah no for sure they did you know uh, they I, I, I should have known in the beginning when I walked in they already were warning me for doing nothing they say oh you're gonna keep quiet boss root or but not the boss root but boss and I go, oh, they know my name. Okay, well, but I say, sure, of course. Well, but they think I'm going to go inside and fight. This is so stupid. And uh, I was just having a great time, just bouncing around, dancing with people, and flipping around. And, and suddenly they came to me and I said I was um, too wild. I had to leave. I said, okay, that's no problem. And they, we, went to, uh, to, through, uh, we went through two big doors and there was a big fire uh, escape going down, a big marble fire escape, I remember. <clears throat> and then they started getting in my face, really aggressive, uh, that I had to leave. And I say, I already told you, I have no problem. I'll, I'll, I, I leave. I, I don't want to be a problem here. I say, but can you, can you do me a favor? I have a friend of mine. He's from Holland, and he's in one of these bars because it was one of these bars that had different rooms. And uh, and yeah. I said, he's somewhere there. He's also a bold, bold guy. Could you please tell him that I'm, you know, that I'm outside? They say, you do not understand me. And now they start getting, now they start touching me. I said, whoa, 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 there's no problem here. I'm leaving. Go ahead. And I started walking down. There's no problems. And, uh, and then the guy pulled me back. He said, oh, wait. And while we're standing there, I remember this tall guy behind the little guy. The little guy was the guy who did all the talking. And the guy behind him suddenly jumped over me and he stabbed a finger in my eye. And then I, I was, so I was holding my eye. I said, guys, I'm telling you I don't want any trouble. So don't worry. I'm leaving. And then he jumped and he stabbed me in the other eye. Yeah, that's when I knocked him out, of course, because <laughs> how far is this going to go? So I dropped him, and then oh yeah, all hell broke loose because they had microphones that were connected, so they called the other guys, and you know, and then soon enough, you're fighting a whole bunch of these guys. It, uh, it's it's a story that is um, yeah, we, we, I've been told, uh, been telling it for quite a bit, but it's um, yeah. you know, at the time it was it, it was a scary thing at the time. Because you know that you once you start realizing that every time, because I knocked everybody out, but they all wake up while I'm fighting with the other guys, right? So and now they're more angry, and now they really want to hurt me. And that guy who stabbed me in the eye, he was constantly going for my eyes, you know. So there were those moments that you even believe that you think that's again, that's the two voices telling you in your head. The one voice is going to go like, you know, just act dead, act yeah. like or not dead, but act like you're out, and then the, the, it will stop. But then the other voice would say, no, no, no. What about the guy who's went for your eyes the whole time? You don't know what he's going to do with you. Because what I didn't tell you, that guy, I hit him so hard, he, he, his whole facial structure <laughs> changed, you know, on the spot. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. I, I hit him, and when he hit the ground, his face was like a half a size bigger. Was, so he was really angry, and he really wanted to do some damage, I guess. So yeah. at the end, I've realized, okay, there's, it's a fire escape. There's got to be a door outside that I can run outside. So I start walking faster downstairs. And uh, and then the door was closed, and that <laughs> that was not a fun moment. But so I turned around. There was this this door had a big glass also, so you could look outside. But I didn't focus on anything. I just saw that clip. I clipped it with my thumb. It was locked. I go, oh, here we go. So I turn around, and all five of them are standing in front of me. They're still on the stairs a little bit. And I thought, okay. Now it's no more Mr. Nice Guy. Now I'm going to stab eyes. I'm going to kick the pills. I'm just going to go for really the vital organs here now. I'm going to go. And at the moment I thought that they all took a step back, you know. So I felt cool because I thought, oh, they can tell by my eyes that I mean business. But what I didn't realize is behind me, because there were windows, there was the whole police force was outside there looking in. And they what? wanted to arrest everybody. So uh, finally, when the police came, I, I I was actually thanking them. I said, "Oh man, I'm so happy you guys are here." And but they treated me like a complete criminal, threw me in the van. I mean, a very rough. It's a very rough thing. And until I came to the to the police station, in the police station, they there was this whole trouble. And then they moved me to an, uh, two days later. They moved me to an, uh, a real jail, and and there all wow. the guards knew me. So. I got my own room. They had a VCR for me. They had coffee and cookies. <laughs> I mean, they took care of me. And that's where they allowed me to make my first phone call, actually, you know, two days after. So uh, that was my wife then, who I called for the first time. So the story is now, it's like, okay, because everything was okay afterwards. It's, it, it sounds cool. But at that moment, it was a scary thing. They wanted yeah. to keep me there six or nine months because apparently one of these five guys I knocked out was a cop. 
you know, who uh, who <laughs> moonlights as, as a bouncer, you know, next to his job as as being a cop. But you know, he didn't flat, flash a badge. If he would have said, "Hey, I'm a cop," I'm not going to knock him out. Trust me. But <laughs> since he was attacking me, yeah, I knocked him out as well. You know, so. It was a big thing, but thankfully I had some good friends taking care of the problem, and uh, they took their charges back, and uh, yeah. I could go back home. Have you been back to Sweden since then, Bas? Or I did, I did because what happened was I I had a se- I was there for a seminar, and we had like a lot of people for the seminar, and I couldn't do the seminar. And this, for real, when I was there, that was the thing that bothered me the most. And I'm constantly trying. I said, "Can we go tomorrow?" Because it was a Sunday. I, on Friday, I got into uh, into trouble. So I thought, "Oh, they will leave me out on Sunday morning," you know. And then, because in Holland, I mean, they write it down and they let you go, but yeah. not there. So um, I, I I told all the people. I said, "Listen, you, you, the seminar is for free. Next time I come back, seminar is for free, and then uh, it, it, you only have to pay for your trip." And that's what I did. I went back and we had the same people there. Uh, we did the seminar. And after the seminar, I said, okay, tonight we're all going to meet at the spy bar. The spy bar was the, was the place where, where this whole threat <laughs> happened. <laughs> and everybody was quiet. And I said, I'm joking, guys. It's just a joke. Just relax. So. You've, uh, you've also had a little bit of a background in pro wrestling, Bass, um, over in Japan. And um, uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Like, what? Was it kind of the money thing, or was it just you were always a pro wrestling guy, and you said, "Yeah, why not?" Or no, I never did it, but you know, I, I enjoyed it. And in, in Japan, they do the strong style, uh, which is real, real submission moves, and real moves that really work. So for a fighter, that's why you saw more fighters like Coleman and Randleman and Don Fry and all these guys coming from MMA. They go to pro wrestling in Japan. Because first of all, they pay you a lot of money. It's a really great thing to do. And second of all, you're going to think, wait a minute, I don't even have to train for this. You know, if I'm just in the basic shape, you can do that because, you know, well, it's staged. So hmm. uh, it, it was an awesome. It was awesome. And I have so much more respect for all these pro wrestlers because I had so many injuries. The first, the first uh, fight, I broke a disc in my back. The second one, it was the second one, it was either my eyeball, I ruptured an eyeball, and the third <laughs> one, I, my, my eardrum. My eardrum was broke for that for like 10 years. It was the craziest thing because I couldn't fix it since I fly within two weeks every time I'll fly. And they say, if you fix it, you cannot fly for at least three or four weeks. So even my wife said at the time, why don't you go back to real fighting? You never got injured there. <laughs> and <now you're> <laughs> You get injured, but what happens in pro wrestling? You let them hit you because that's pro wrestling. So normally the block, the the slap in my face that ruptured my eardrum, I would have blocked that punch. But since it's pro wrestling, I would have, I allowed him to hit me, you know. So and 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 these injuries, they these guys make from jumping off the top ropes, and and then you have to understand they do this three times a week, you know. Yeah. We're talking about guys who, you know, if you know WWE. They wanted me for a, a while, together with um, Marco Huas and Oleg Taktarov. We were called. We were going to be called Foreign yeah. Power, and then we were like a, a, a group of three that would fight against the rest. And and I thought, you know, like with the pro wrestling in Japan, I go like, oh yeah, I'll do twenty shows or something, twenty five a year. That that's cool. But they said, no, 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 no. We want you two hundred or two hundred twenty shows, Oof. and that's without traveling. So you can only imagine all the injuries that these guys. Because all the falls they make, the hits they take, all of them, they're real hits, you know. You know, Sure, there's some stage and it's a little less, but doing it 220 times a year, that is really impressive to me. And now your your good buddy Maro is a part of that um, juggernaut of the WWE at the moment. You know, and I love that because I know that Maro, I put Maro into business. You know, I met Maro in 2000, all the way back in Vancouver, Canada. We were on a bad movie set, for, or the movies that were a bad movie, and we had to do the voiceover for a fight that wasn't filmed yet. So I go, like, how, how are we going to do that? <laughs> so we got this script, and Maro, you know, and, and we clicked right away. And his voice, you know, when you just meet the guy and he talks to you, you go like, man, what a voice does this guy And a lot of people say, oh, yeah, he puts on that voice on air. No, 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 no. This is the voice he wakes up with, people, so just wake up. And um, so four years later, the Pride Fighting Championships got rid of Steven Quadros. And they asked me if I knew somebody. And I didn't want to tell his name yet because Stephen was a friend of mine. And I thought, ah, maybe what if he thinks that I put somebody else in? You know, I don't want people to think some crazy thing. So they went for somebody else. 
he wasn't good. And then they asked me again. And I say, yeah, I, I do have a guy. I hope I still have his number. And I had his number. I sent him a message. I left him a voicemail message. And he uh, sent in the tape. And that was it. Boom. He got him. Now, over the years, I started to really get to know Morrow, of course. And Morrow, his mind is unlike anybody else's mind. It's like Beautiful Mind, that movie. His knowledge you know, is it, ridiculous. It's just, it's just bizarre. I don't know how he does it. He has no papers in front of him. He does everything on top of his head. It's the craziest things like prompters. Everything he does is, is gold. It's one hundred percent correct always. And uh, man, it was just, uh, it's just unbelievable I, to see a guy like that. So then we hear pro wrestling, and then he started doing pro wrestling commentary for fun. He did also for Hustle for the same company that was Pride Fighting Championships. And man, he was just insane. Everybody was looking at him. So when he started doing, uh, because this is my this is my fame, uh, fame uh, glory to fame, I said to um, when I found out on Inside MMA, we were at the studio, and they said, "Oh, by the way, we got your buddy Maro to do the commentating for uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling." And that's where I stopped the entire crew. I said, "Whoa, whoa can I have everybody's attention now?" And then everybody was quiet. I say, I guarantee you, within three months, Morrow is going to work for the WWE. After they're going to hear him on Pro Re on New Japan, they're going to offer him a job. You can continue to work. <laughs> 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 three months later, boom, he, he landed the job. And I knew because he's just one of a kind. And, and you see the, re the reviews he's getting from pro wrestling. I mean, The Rock, the uh, I mean... Triple H, every every huge pro wrestler has walked up to him and has said, dude, we love you. You made the show again. You know, everything is getting vibrant again. The storytelling, he, that's just, he's just something, man. Unbelievable. He, he must be the busiest uh, color commentators in America, is he? <laughs> yes. He I mean, we didn't do the, the uh, Ruta Nebronello podcast. We didn't do it for three weeks because he's literally doing shows. He said, I was, um, let me think. I was driving back with him um, from uh, from Inside MMA last Friday, and I believe it was 85 or 87 shows he does this year. Wow. 85 or 87 shows. So you go to weekends, 52. Well, you try to manage that. I don't know how he does that. Yeah. So it's amazing. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned there uh, films, bars, movies. Uh, your good buddy Kevin James and you started in uh, Here Comes the Boom, which I enjoyed, by the way. Have you any plans to do any more movies or is something coming up that you're going to do? Yeah, you know, I, I would love to. You know, it, it is a very hard thing for me to do <clears throat> auditions because m m many of the shows or sitcoms that they do, they film on Fridays for a live audience, in front of a live audience. And, and, and I shoot Inside MMA on Fridays and it's a live show. So yeah. I can never do that. So we always have to ask, when do you shoot him? When do you need him? Always for Friday, Saturday, or for Thursday, Friday, something like that. If, but if Friday is in, included, I can do it. Now, if it's a big part, yeah, of course, I'm going to do it. And then I'll, I'll take one week off from Inside MMA because we have this arrangement with Inside MMA. They say, yeah, if it's a big thing, you know, it's a good thing. It's good for both people, you know, because if I get more known outside Inside MMA, that will be uh, draw more uh, attention to inside MMA and get more yeah. eyeballs watching the show as well. So it, it will be good working uh, for both of us. So that's when the movie came out, uh, Here Comes the Boom. I knew that was I'm, I was not going to be able to do inside MMA for like 10 weeks because it was a big part. But uh, they were totally cool with it. And uh, I, I did. I did like two or three shows, two from, from the city where I was and uh, in Boston. And then I flew once or twice back to uh, L.A., did the show, and right away came. Came back and shoot the movie again. And he did King of Queens as well, Buzz. That's King of Queens. You know I, everything with uh, Kevin. I know I know Kevin uh, since since he started uh, the first season of King of Queens. It's the best sitcom so, ever. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And he's got a new sitcom now, and he's uh, filming on it on NBC as well. Wow. Or CBS. Uh, CBS. Sorry. Yeah, so he's uh, he, he's doing really good, and, um, and 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 this guy, man, is also he never changed. He always stayed the same guy. I met him when he was sharing a one bedroom apartment with his brother. That's when I met him, you know. And now he's this giant star who is exactly the same, who uses all the same people, all the people, the makeup people, the people on the set from uh, from um, King of Queens. They all go with him when he shoots a movie as well. Amazing. You know, he's a really Amazing. solid guy, and uh, yeah, I've been pretty much in every movie he had little parts here and there, but being so of course. 
here comes the boom, the biggest part. Can we can we see uh, going to be in Kevin James's new uh, project? Oh in yeah, the future? yeah, no, I will be in there. He, he already said to me, you know, so <laughs> excellent. Uh, yeah, so no, we'll we'll we're we'll gonna get some stuff in there. It's gonna be fun, you know. Go, hanging out with this guy. These are these are professions that. Um, People always ask me, if he, is he really that funny? And that's the thing. He, you, he cannot turn it off. Like, even when you almost talk serious, there's constantly jokes made out of serious things. You know, it's, <laughs> it's really fun. You don't and get much things done, do you? <laughs> <laughs> no, but his friends are all stand-up comedians. So many times we have a big group. And there's like from the 12 guys and like seven stand-up comedians. Well, you know what's going to happen then if people start, you know. It's hilarious. It's one big comedy show. It's always a good time to hang out. Who can you see um, on the UFC roster at the moment that could do a crossover? Have you seen the, we've seen The Rock from pro wrestling to movies and he's just taken the movie industry by storm. Can you see anyone uh, in the UFC roster at the moment? Yeah, I get that. I get, you know, like, Connor, he's got everything for it, you know. So that that would be cool to see him in uh, in something. You know, I I think that fighters simply have to understand though that once you do it, and, and he will understand because he's a work his work ethic is really high. But you know, when once I realized I I started taking acting classes when I came to America. You know, as soon as I found out that here comes the boom, that was thing that was the only thing I was going to do. I was acting, 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 acting. So when I went to the rehearsal week. <clears throat> for here comes the boom. I already didn't bring a script because I knew it. I knew everything, every line. They go, it's great, but you, we're going to do a lot of different things because you, you at home people think, oh, you get a script and that's the script. No, no, that script's going to be changed about fifteen times. You know, little things though, but it will be changed. You're going to have a, it starts with a white script and you get a yellow and a pink and a blue and every time you get a new color script and they change the line. So you're rehearsing, you think, oh, now I got the scene. Boom! Suddenly it's changed again. You know, but but in order to make it better, even better. So um, you have to really work hard. And, and, and my my suggestion would be my advice to fighters. If fighters are going to do a movie, it's probably because they're going to use them for fighting as well. Forget about the fighting. Only think about the acting. The acting part is the hardest part to be natural, calm and relaxed on camera. Every fighter will tell you the first times when they do interviews, I rather fight and do interviews, you know, because in the beginning, it's nerve-wracking. It's a camera in your face. You're simply not used to it. Once you get used to it, start doing it more, yeah, then it becomes normal as well. But still, you know, there's always pressure. So take a lot of acting classes. Forget about your fighting because you know how to fight. You don't need those skills anymore. You got them. Do you think um, some of the skills that you learned in Bass True, um, kind of doing your, your workout videos and your self-defense videos, did they come in handy for trying to cross over? Oh, yeah, I think so. You know, I did the TV show Punk Payback. That was pretty much the bar fighting DVD, right, that I brought out. <laughs> it was uh, picking out an, uh, a bad scenario, let's say. There was a bank robbery, and then they showed a bank robbery or, or whatever, a gas station robbery. We showed the clip, and then I said, and then I look at the camera while I'm watching the clip. I say, well, they did make a lot of mistakes. He made this mistake, this mistake. I said, let's see what I would do in this situation. And then we built a set that looks the same as that video clip. They put me as the victim in the set, and then we let fake robbers come in with the, uh, come in with the same weapons, and I, I, I beat them up while I'm talking to the camera, you know, nonchalant, just like just like the DVD, having fun while I'm beating up bad people, you know. I think that's what pe- everybody enjoys to see that. You know, So yeah. I thought actually that show was going to do great. I heard it did great in Australia and in um, in, in Canada, and here they changed the time also. It went from a Monday to a Wednesday in the middle and nobody announced it. I go, man, it's a fun show. But then again, most of the time when I make a joke, I'm the only one who's laughing because <laughs> I'm so psychotic. <laughs> so maybe I only thought the show was funny. <laughs> My wife would laugh at me because I can laugh three days about a joke. She literally she's in the office and I'm in the, in, the, in the kitchen and I suddenly start laughing by myself. She goes, are you serious? Is that the same joke again? I go, yeah, it's the same joke. It's so funny, you know. So, you know, I have a crazy sense of humor. I'm very easy to please. Yeah. Let me say that. <laughs> you, you mentioned there as well, spending time in the kitchen and that. Did I read somewhere about that you're a, 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 color, a trained culinary chef? Yeah, how crazy is that? We actually yeah. met a guy who, I, I think you didn't believe it. It was so funny. We, we get on parasailing and I'm checking in my daughter's. 
and this guy is talking about Rosie O'Donnell was there, sometimes all these famous guys, and you can lie to everybody, he says. You can simply say, oh, I'm a cook and I'm a thing, and he's looking at me, and I'm there with my kids, and other people, and other people recognize me already, but I didn't say anything, and I go, man, that's cool, lie. You know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say that I was a professional fighter or maybe a, a chef cook and uh, who started acting later. That would be a fun thing to do. You know, so people started laughing because the guy didn't know what I was talking about. When we came back, of course, he heard it already. So he, he was laughing about it. But yeah, he said also when I said I was a cook, he said he was a cook. And I don't believe him anymore because he said that he was lying to people constantly. But yeah, I went actually uh, three years to culinary school. Wow. That's impressive, man. What, what, what was your, well, if somebody said like, all right, you're, you're making dinner tonight, boss, what would be your, your go-to uh, what would what be your go-to thing to impress somebody in the kitchen? You see, now this is a great question, and now finally I have an answer because normally when they say what's your favorite submission, your favorite knockout, I say anything they give to me. <laughs> and, if you, and if you look at me, I look at my record. You, I got all different submissions. I got all different knockouts. You know, everything is different. You know, and and that's the same thing. If they say, hey, I need to cook for you guys, for instance, I'm going to say, hey, what do you like? What do you like? What do you like? I'm going to get that, and then we're going to build, and then I'm going to make it good. I thought, I thought about the, the knockouts and the cooking might involve liver shots, Baz. I was yeah. hoping no, for no, something. Yeah. <laughs> well, liver will be involved, probably chicken <laughs> livers or something. Brilliant, man, brilliant. Uh, Baz, we're running out of time with you, which uh, is a pity because I'm loving this. But um, I suppose, look, people, your website, and obviously Inside MMA is doing fantastically well on Access TV with, with uh, an LO. So... The podcast as well, um, it's going incredibly well. You guys are shooting up. What's it like doing the podcast? You know, it's a, it's an awesome thing to do because it's been uh, uh, Maro and I have been talking a long time about it. I, I remember a long time ago, and I think it was the two thousand, uh, what was it, the two thousand four. I think it was when Coleman won the whole tournament. Was that two thousand four? I think anyway, one of these shows. Uh, Maro was staying with me. It, it was Christmas, and my my family was in Holland. And I said to him, I say, why don't you come to my home, and then spend Christmas with me, and then we both fly from here to Japan. You know, this way uh, w- we can have some fun as well. And of course, we had a lot of fun. You know, and a lot of friends. And and I I made a vow there. I said because he said. Well, how did he say? He probably said something about me. Yeah, boss, but you're this and this and this, and you you did all these things. And I said, Mauro, no, no, no. The people going to recognize me, and they're going to recognize me because they're going to say he's the guy who put Mauro Ronello in the business. So <laughs> you mark my words. That's what's going to happen. And it's so cool now to see him doing everything back. I mean, Pac-Man Mayweather. I mean, the Showtime yeah. boxing he's doing. He's doing glory kickboxing. He's doing inside MMA. He's doing WWE. Like the biggest companies on the planet, he's the commentator for. It's insane. And they all they all agree with his schedule because they know they need to have him. Look what it did to WWE. It's insane. They, I mean, there's more people watching. Everything is better now. Everybody loves him. Yeah. you know, And he's a great guy to work with as well because sometimes when a guy is a brainiac, he won't. They won't forgive you if you make mistakes or whatever, you know. But uh, now he's constantly. It's always fun with him. He's a good guy, and he's he's crazy as well. And people don't know he's bipolar, as everybody knows, because he talked about it a lot. But uh, man, I have some funny stories with Maro as well. That I mean, I I knocked him out with low kicks, uh, with one low kick <laughs> in the elevator. Maro is such a guy who, you know, he takes. Sometimes he gets too free. You know, and then he thinks that he can say anything to you. You know, why he starts pushing it. So we're standing in this elevator in Japan, and I go, "Okay, okay, we we reached the boiling point now, Maro. You should stop, because but now he thinks I'm joking because I'm always happy. You know, and uh, he kept going, kept going. I said, Maro, I'm gonna kick you. I'm gonna kick you really hard in the leg if you do one more thing. You know, I want to stop now. Come on, stop. And he boop, 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 he just keeps going, and I wham, I give him a big low kick. He drops. And he's on the ground, and at that moment, the elevator opens, and there's a whole bunch of Japanese people who want to get in. And they look at me, and they look down, they see Maru on the ground in pain. And then they look at me again, and I go like, yeah, I did that. The elevator door closed again, and they kept going. Nobody got on board. It was hilarious. Love it. Absolutely love it, man. 
Uh, I tell you, Baz, if if you ever bring uh, if you ever bring the, the show to Ireland, do a live show, or if you're doing seminars over here, man, you gotta let us know. We'll bring you for a point or something. Be well worth it. Um, oh, for sure. I, you know, Ireland. I always say Ireland and Scotland—they're on my bucket list, on our bucket list from the family. You know, we really want to go there. So as soon if there's a if uh, UFC is maybe going to put a big show, uh, maybe even the rematch against Aldo for uh, for, for McGregor. And do that in Ireland, like in a big freaking soccer stadium or something, because I truly believe that he can fill that out. Yeah. The, of the way he is, then uh, then I'm going to do everything in my power to be there, you know. And then I'll Love be that. there that whole week because then I wanted to, you know, just uh, you, you guys are a bunch of crazy fans, man. I love it. <laughs> I I've been I'm standing. I, we were standing when he fought Mendes, and uh, I, I'm, I'm right and left of us. We got everywhere Irish fans, and we're constantly stabbing it to them, and they're stabbing it back, you know. <laughs> Oh, the Americans going to get knocked out. They go, oh, bullshit. <laughs> you know, so, but they're all happy. Nobody fights it. It's, you know, everybody knows it's a joke and we're just having fun. You yeah. know? So that's what I really like. Because normally when, when people are drunk, you know, they, a lot of them, they get, they get annoyed. They get annoying. But uh, with the Irish fans, man, I had a great time. Yeah, we just look for a big party, Baz, you know. That's it, man. That's it. That's what I'm doing, too, every day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, come here, your, your Twitter is at BassRootinMMA. If people aren't already following you, they need to. Um, Inside MMA every week as well. They need to check that out. And your website, BassRootin.com, um, they can check out. You've, you've got a store on there, T-shirts, training videos, the O2 training mask, all that kind of stuff. Um, people really need to check that stuff out. But, Baz, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, my man. Thanks so much for your time today. You're very welcome, guys. I had a, I had a blast. So uh, thank you. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Baz. Godspeed. What a bloke. That was deadly, wasn't it? Unbelievable, man. I absolutely loved that. Like, it was, was getting real hyper towards the end, wasn't he? It was only an hour, and I wish we had longer, because the dude is just, like, when you think of the people that he's seen fighting, the fights he's called over the years, the fights he's been in over the years, the things he's seen, what an absolute gent. What an absolute He does tomorrow, doesn't he? He does, he's, yeah, he, he's really big in that guy up, yeah, you can tell it's a good, strong friendship. Yeah. The way I talk about you outside yeah. the people as well. Like, Same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we're both lying there, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if, uh, I wonder, does he cop that we have to share a communal Skype mic? I, I don't know, maybe. Nah, he was good crack. He was, he was an absolute gent. He was an absolute gent. I should have pushed him harder on the field question, though. He kind of gave a soft answer saying He did, like, yeah. He just said, oh, you buy everything and I'll make it. You pick whatever Chicken you liver. Want. I don't like liver, yeah, Baz. Yeah. His, did you ever see some of his liver shots, man? Yeah, yeah. Oh, people just crumbled. Well, he, he's often said um, that his favourite KO is uh, the liver shot or the body shot. Yeah. He loves body shots. Them liver shots, there's one or two of them you see where it's almost like a delayed reaction. He absolutely nails them and they go to take a step forward and then it's like, oh my God, what is this? And they just crumble. I loved when... Um, I loved when he was saying like he laughs at his own jokes and he's laughing for three days <laughs> yeah. and his wife's telling him to shut up. You'll actually imagine him going yeah. around the house and doing that. Uh, he's absolutely brilliant, man. He's genuinely one of the nicest guys we've ever spoken to in this podcast and it was an absolute pleasure. Delighted with that. It was, It was. people are probably going to say about uh, another MMA guest or whatever, but Look. we reached out, he answered straight away, so we just got him on. Yeah. Look, lads, you know what I mean? If somebody hands you a winning lottery ticket, you take it. You don't say, actually, you know what? I only got paid. I'll take that in two weeks' time. <laughs> you take I won't that. cash it in, yeah. You take that, you know what I mean? When a guy like Bass Root and answers the call and says, yeah, I'd love to come on your podcast, you you embrace him with both arms and you welcome him aboard because he is an absolute gent. Really, really nice guy, and I really enjoyed that. That's it. I hope you enjoyed it. Come on, McGregor. Um, it won't, won't be an easy fight at all, obviously. But uh, even Bass Rutan says that he thinks Connor can do it, and he thinks Connor has the skills to beat him. So why not? Like if somebody like Bass Rutan is saying it, if somebody like GSP is saying it, I wasn't. Did GSP say? It? GSP said he thinks Connor's the more skilled fighter, and he could beat him. I wasn't. Um, I was just a bit mad about this whole card, to be honest. And then I watched Bad Blood uh, yesterday. Yeah. Oh no, on Monday, and I was thinking. Right, I'm in, I'm involved now. Man, now I always find it's always that, fight week. Isn't I was gonna say fight week. The, the promos. Sometimes you can almost get a little bit of, a little bit lethargic, a little bit kind of like, oh, for God's sake, just get on with it, will you? But then the week over the embedded videos. But the see, do you promos. notice the embedded when Connor is on, always oh, starting Monday? Yeah. And then after being up about an hour or two, there's always thousands and thousands of viewers. Yeah. Embedded one, it was good. It was bad yeah. Blood is a must watch. It's very good. 
there's also a CM Punk documentary coming out, isn't there? Yeah, the, ev- the, ev- Evol- the Evolution of Punk. punk. I must watch that. But anyway, look, that's the it. Evolution. That's evolution of Punk. Evolution. Oh, I say Evolution. All Do right. you know what? In a couple of weeks' time, we're going to have somebody on who can answer these questions for us. Oh, look at you and your Segway without revealing it. Tell you what. Segway City. Segway. I don't even know. I went to say something and I made a noise. Is that right? I just went, Segway City. I was going to do what Brock Lesnar said at Mania, but I said, no, it's a bit sexist. I, I went to say science, but then I got caught up in the Segway bit. And I was like, <laughs> gig. We should get a t-shirt saying Segway City. We should. We need to get a t-shirt. <laughs> a picture of a Segway. <laughs> With you and me on a Segway, <laughs> yeah. wearing little helmets. <laughs> That will be class. Oh, we still have to. We we've been saying for months now. We need to get t-shirts, and we still owe Keith Hanley a t-shirt. Keith, we haven't forgotten, man. We're we just we're, we're doing it. We're in the process. We're just terrible we're human beings. We're negotiating. We're just terrible human beings for actually getting stuff done, <laughs> other than recording. It's like the one thing we commit to every week, and yeah. then anything after that is just kind of like, oh, we'll do oh, it next week. We'll do it next week. Um, FitzpatrickCastle dot com. Check them out. Pop up for a bit of food. Pop up for a point. Pop up. For anything up here, just a bit of afternoon tea, even it's fantastic. We love it, they love us. It's a great combination. We make a great couple, if I don't say so myself. At Merrigan Mania, you'll find them on the Twitter, you'll find them on the Snapchat, you'll find them all over your social media if you just type that magic word in there. I'm at Dan Joe Murray telling stories about me dog. It's great, you can follow that. And I love Cleo the dog. Cleo the walrus shaped Labrador. And I just plug the podcast quite a lot, which if you get past that, the stories about Cleo are just as good, really, aren't they? I think you know like, what I mean. Yeah. It out. I love when you annoy Oksana. Yeah, I haven't done that in a while. I must do that to her actually. And uh, of course, the uh, the guest at Bass Rutten MMA. Do not, do not, do not go onto Twitter without clicking follow on that man. He's brilliant. That's it for us for not for this week, just for now. Just for now, because our regular Sunday lads, our regular Sunday chapter will be out as well. We haven't forgot about that. This is just a bonus because we love you, Ryan. Until Sunday. Good luck, man. Good night. God bless.